and welcome to our special podcast in honor of International Day of People with Disabilities. International Day of People with Disabilities is a United Nations sanctioned day that is celebrated on December 3rd. This year, we are celebrating the challenges, barriers, and opportunities for people who live with disabilities in the context of the global pandemic. I am Stacy Masucci, publisher for Bioscience and Translational Medicine at Elsevier and a member of Elsevier Enabled Employee Resource Group. I will be hosting two fabulous speakers for this year's event, Richard Mankin and Kate Nash. Richard Mankin is a research entomologist with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. He uses crutches since his legs are missing several muscles and require braces. His research focuses on detecting and controlling hidden insect infestations. He also investigates how insects use the senses of smell and sound in communication. As a person with a physical disability, he endeavors to make people aware that disabilities do not preclude societal contributions nor career success. He serves on the governing board of the Entomological Society of America and is the president of the Foundation for Science and Disability. Kate Nash is the world's leading authority in networkology. This is the science behind the growth of workplace resource groups. Most known for her work with disability networks, she published the first best practice guide in 2009. In 2014, her book, Secrets and Big News, tackled the issue of disability disclosure. Kate launched Purple Space in 2015 as the world's first professional development hub for disabled employee networks. In 2007, she was awarded an OBE for services to disabled people. In 2013, she was appointed Ambassador to Disability Rights UK. Welcome, Richard and Kate, and thank you so much for being with us today. Since March of 2020, every person on Earth has been impacted by drastic political, social, and economic changes as a result of domestic and international responses to COVID-19. How do you see the population of people with disabilities specifically affected? Richard, I'd like to start with you. I would, would say there's a, a couple of things in, involved here. Uh, that persons with disabilities need to interact in groups, and, and groups uh, were kind of stifled and still are to some extent, even late in the pandemic. And uh, partly a reason for that is um, persons with disabilities do have coping mechanisms to, to, to get along uh, in the world. And a lot of these do not work as well as previously. For example, persons with hearing loss are usually uh, lip-read to some extent, and the muffling of the sound with the masks uh, has problems. And, and there's other coping mechanisms that don't work as well when you're totally isolated. So, so it has been... Uh, 
a higher bar probably for most people with, with disabilities. Uh, once once the pandemic started and and the shutdowns occurred, uh, if persons also had uh, issues that made them get sicker than I guess what you call standard people, then that would be a problem also. And in general, all these all the responses to the COVID decreased scientific productivity and uh, for people who are getting older and have less time available to make a, a meaningful contribution, then this is a problem also. So I, I would say those are the main uh, points uh, for, uh, say, a scientist with disability. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Kate, do you have anything to add? Yeah, a couple of things, Stacey. I mean, it's a great question. And we see around the world there have been both pluses and minuses in terms of how people with disabilities um, have navigated through this uh, pandemic. Um, on the downside, the huge challenges we see, you know, naturally huge numbers of individuals who've been impacted by the direct health outcomes uh, we see across the world that, you know, almost universally, those people who are more susceptible uh, to COVID-19 have not fared well. Um, and equally, uh, the long-term impacts of long COVID we're going to see for a very, very long time yet. So, you know, we're not out of the water. It's still a very long way to go before we can say that uh, different economies and different jurisdictions around the world have navigated their way out of the pandemic. Uh, and disabled people are always going to be um, a little bit more cautious about some of the lockdowns and the restrictions and so on. But on the plus side, we do see uh, some real advantages in this supercharged and very digital era that we're now working in. Of course, we saw prior to the pandemic that you know different legislations, whether it's the Americans with Disabilities Act or uh, the Equality Act or the UN uh, Charter, that uh, working from home was often a natural and a required response to workplace adjustments or accommodations. But they weren't always freely given. They weren't always elegantly available. And, you know, many employers are still on their journey of understanding how they can uh, make it easier for people to work remotely. And I think that's one of the pluses of uh, COVID-19, dare I say it. Um, so, you know, what we've seen is uh, often more balanced lives, individuals who are managing their impairment uh, alongside working that has sometimes been easier for people. Um, we see greater opportunities, so we work obviously with significant numbers of employees who, like Alcevia, have uh, employee resource groups. And we see there's been a huge uh, uh, opportunity for employees with disability to network together to support their businesses to do differently and better. Um, and then broader than that, we do see, again, lots of opportunity for employee resource group leaders around the world and from different businesses also to network, to learn from each other, uh, to build their own leadership capability and capacity uh, to drive change. So, yeah, it's a message in two halves. There are downsides and some terrible downsides in terms of health outcomes, but there are some plus sides. And as we move into hybrid working, we want to retain, I imagine, some of the best features of the opportunity. 
Yeah, thank you. While we're talking about the workplace, I'd like to transition to talking about disability inclusion. So while some companies are addressing disability inclusion, there's many businesses and even entire fields that still don't address this inclusion. What path forward do you see and recommend for people that might be listening today? Richard, would you like to go first? This was a tough question for me, but from a personal perspective, I would say the vast majority of people don't think about disability at all unless they happen to run across a person with disability, and there's not really that many persons with disability in the workplace. But there are some, and I think the the best thing to do is to institutionally build in teams and try to have persons with disabilities on some of the higher level teams in, in particular. And that uh, interaction among members of the team will, especially if, if the person with a disability is good at certain things that uh, regular people may not be Due, due to the fact that they've developed particular coping skills that are, are very helpful in that situation. The, the interactions uh, can demonstrate to everyone that, that teamwork that, that has uh, a lot of different groups uh, of people, in, including persons with disabilities, do better jobs of uh, carrying out the tasks that that uh, companies need to have done. And I I do think that human nature is uh, at play here, uh, especially when you get into the higher levels, uh, because most people, once they get to a certain point, they kind of want to raise the bar for other people to make it harder to get up to that level. Uh, and, And so there has to be an incentive to do otherwise, and I think that that incentive needs to be institutionalized more, but, but there, to my knowledge, there hasn't been a whole bunch of attention paid to that uh, by uh, administrators of, of businesses and governments and educational institutions. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Kate, would you like to add? Yes, thank you, Stacey. I would say um, for those uh, businesses, employers that maybe not addressing disability inclusion in the way that they could and should, there's maybe four things to try. The first would be to consider the advantages of setting up a disability employee resource group or business resource group. Um, we see globally now uh, the growth of employee resource groups as a vehicle for change, uh, really growing exponentially. Um, It's one of the most powerful vehicles by which businesses can understand uh, the challenges that employees with disability face, uh, but equally to be able to use their skill and their lived experience um, to help support the creation of better policy, better practice and better procedure. So we're, of course, a huge fan of Purple Space 
Um, and for those organisations that may be a little small and therefore the time is not right or they don't have a track record of setting up employee resource groups. Um, the other option, of course, is to set up alternative ways of learning directly from your own people, such as focus groups or listening groups or including it in your routine pulse survey. So just the, the, the general principle of learning directly from your own people, I think, is a really important path. And we see that with innovators like your good selves. Um, second path, maybe set up a storytelling campaign. There are some fantastic examples of where companies have chosen to normalise the experience of disability by delivering well-thought-through storytelling campaigns. They are now in abundance um, and they're a super way of helping people to articulate their story of difference in a way that others, including our line managers or policy creators or indeed allies, to understand what they can do uh, to personally change and make more accessible our working world. And then two other things that they might try. One is not necessary to start with data. I know that's quite a controversial thing to say. And many organisations, root maps are driven by data. And my message is not to suggest that data is not important. However, we do see where those organisations really get into the stride. They start with people, they start with stories, and they start with conversations. And if we think of all employees with disabilities, in different companies around the world, 86% of all of those individuals will be individuals who acquired their disability or their health condition through the course of their working lives, which means that they're making sense of sometimes a new identity, but it's really very hard to make sense of. So they're in transition. So, you know, not starting with data, starting with conversations, starting with storytelling, starting with people is in our view the best place to start and then finally um, perhaps try some allies movement the allies movement has been incredibly successful in some of the other people protected characteristic groupings uh, but we again at purple space have seen huge growth in allies movements purple ally movements and again they can be a great motivator to support those people who want to support us better so four ideas to try there stacy yeah, thank you very much. Those are some great ideas from both of you um, um, for can, people can to Can I say interview. something that, uh, about uh, one of the comments on uh, the storytelling? I, I really appreciate that because uh, I have inadvertently tried to do that, at, uh, and it works better than almost any other technique I've tried. And, and it's even useful in... Uh, science communication because if you can develop a story and tell it, it, it makes it easier for other people to understand. And I, I'm, I know from personal experience it helps uh, develop better interaction with other people. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks to you both. There's some great ideas in there. So talking about things outside of companies, I'm wondering what meaningful investments or policies or technologies you might see that could reduce some of the barriers faced by people with disabilities in the post-COVID era. Richard, do you have any ideas on that? Interesting question, and I've thought about it a lot, but I don't think I have any 
good answers. But in in general, I I think that developing the, a better education system for all persons, uh, not not just persons with disabilities, would be helpful because it provides more opportunities for people to develop their skills. Uh, I, I felt very fortunate in that uh, when I first started off in education, uh, nobody thought I was going to amount to anything, so they just let me like read and do what I wanted to do uh, up until about uh, the fourth grade. Uh, and and uh, I I spent a lot of time doing those things, and it it worked out the best for me. But but education that needs there there needs to be people up up above who have, uh, especially when you're young, uh, more knowledge about the general world and stuff and what what things people can learn to do that will help, like help them get get jobs and things like that. I, I was a very practical person. And also, for persons going for higher degrees, uh, it's better to have, like, a, if you go to college, uh, it, I think people should get paid, not, not take out loans and then spend their working career uh, paying those back. And uh, certainly hope that uh, in the U.S. that that happens more. Uh, I'm not sure what happens in other countries, but but I think uh, in in Europe and Canada, it's probably easier for people to to get higher level degrees. But in general, I I just don't think that there's uh, much incentive to do the investments and in policies that would reduce barriers. So institutions have to be pushed by political means or, or some other means to, to do that. I, I hope that answers some of the things, but I, I don't, I feel personally like this, this is an area that I wanted to provide help in and, and haven't been able to offer much help. Definitely a lot more work to be done there. So I want to ask you both, what do you hope is accomplished during International Day of People with Disabilities this year? Kate, let's start with you. Um, brilliant question, Stacey. And it's so good to know that you, like many employers, will be uh, celebrating the UN International Day of Persons with Disabilities this year on the 3rd of December. So for us, you know, our mark of respect to that day is the launch of what used to be a campaign, uh, but we've lost total control of it in a good way. And what we now call is a movement, the Purple Light Up movement. And it's a movement that deliberately chooses to celebrate the economic contribution of employees with disabilities. So we know that there are one billion people with disability in this world. Our combined uh, spend is you know, several billion pounds and employees every day and day in and day out are contributing to the tax coffers of uh, a government and economy around the world. So what the 3rd of December is, is a huge celebration of that amazing talent. Um, we're choosing this year to focus on what we call leader to leader conversations during the 3rd. So we've invited 
our community and other communities around the world who have ERG leaders to get into conversation with their C-suite leaders and their chief execs and to talk about the things that they've succeeded with during the course of this year and or to make announcements of their new focus in 2022. So, you know, we hope that businesses will continue to invest in their employee resource groups, one of the most powerful vehicles for change. And we think often the best method by which employers can understand how they can change their working practices. And really it's about finding our tribe. For us, that's what Purple Light Up is all about, is connecting employees with disability around the world, understanding that so much of our story, irrespective of the impairment that we might have or its severity, or indeed age of onset, that there's so much that we have in common and that together, if we choose deliberately to build our inner confidence, then we have every opportunity to reduce sometimes the soft bigotry of low expectation that that sometimes others have of us. So, yep, we're going to have a party on the airwaves and it'll be a lot of fun, uh, (laughs) but behind it is is a great and very powerful message and Elsevier must be congratulated for being part of that tribe, part of that community, um, and really pushing the envelope for change. Thank you, Kate. And Richard. Uh, okay, well, that would be a hard act to follow. Uh, but let, let me uh, say that in, in the U.S., there I don't think there's as much uh, attention paid to the International Day of people with disabilities. I've, I've heard of it before, but but uh, it doesn't get a lot of media attention for sure. Uh, I'm hoping to, to gain uh, in, increased networking among persons with disabilities and uh, increased awareness uh, be, because there's so many things going on nowadays that, that the impact of persons with disabilities is uh, probably less than it was uh, maybe 60 or 70 years ago when everybody lived in a small community and and if there was a person with disability in the small community then then everybody knew them and and had a personal relationship with them i think that the modern technology uh, with Zoom and, and other things maybe permits that interaction to happen and uh, uh, I'll, I'll be doing my best to to try to do that uh, not just in 2022 but hopefully in uh, the, the decade that follows. Yeah, thank you. I just want to express my sincere appreciation to you both for being here, sharing your thoughts today, and helping us celebrate International Day of People with Disabilities. Thanks to you both. Thank you, Stacey. Thanks. Thank you.